I can remember when I was a boy, we used to go on Christmas Eve to my grandparents' house and I loved to go there. My grandma would always make her fudge and it was something that we looked forward to. She had all kinds of snacks, everything. We would open presents together. And then after being at my grandparents' house, we would go uh, back to our, our home. And uh, typically we would open some presents there with, with our family, but on this particular night, I was just a little fella, but I can remember we walked in from my grandmother's house, from my grandparents' house, and there was just, it seemed like a giant mound of toys, gift. well, they were gifts, and we couldn't see what they were at that point uh, when we walked in. And I can remember just the thrill of that moment. And my parents said that apparently Santa had come a little early, and judging by the amount of toys that were there, my sister and I were on the nice list, or else my parents more likely were showing us great mercy. But... I don't remember what a single one of those presents was, but I remember the thrill of that moment, seeing them piled high. What is it that thrills you? What is it that that you live for, that your life is about? Well, these are the questions that I want us to think about this morning as we look in Luke chapter 2. I'd invite you to take a pew Bible there in front of you. If you don't have a Bible and follow along with us, we'll be on page 909. Luke 2, beginning in verse 8. In the same region, shepherds were staying out in the fields and keeping watch at night over their flock. Then an angel of the Lord stood before them, and the glory of the Lord shone around them, and they were terrified. But the angel said to them, don't be afraid, for look, I proclaim to you good news of great joy that will be for all the people today. In the city of David, a Savior was born for you, who is the Messiah, the Lord. This will be the sign for you. You will find a baby wrapped tightly in cloth and lying in a manger. Suddenly there was a multitude of the heavenly hosts with the angel praising God and saying, Glory to God in the highest heaven and peace on earth to people he favors. When the angels had left them and returned to heaven, The shepherds said to one another, let's go straight to Bethlehem and see what has happened, which the Lord has made known to us. They hurried off and found both Mary and Joseph and the baby who was lying in the manger. After seeing them, they reported the message they were told about this child, and all who heard it were amazed at what the shepherds said to them. But Mary was treasuring up all these things in her heart and meditating on them. The shepherds returned glorifying and praising God for all the things they had seen and heard, which were just as they had been told. So somewhere not too far from Bethlehem, shepherds are are keeping watch over their sheep. It's during the darkness of night that an angel appears to these shepherds. And at this moment, God's glory was revealed. Now these shepherds, When they saw this angel, they were terrified. Think of what an amazing experience this must have been. It's the dark of night. You're not expecting anything. You're you're keeping watch over sheep, probably taking turns through the watches of the night. And then out of nowhere, this angel appears. Well, they are scared to death, the angel calms them and says, I come with good news for you. I've come to bring you uh, news that is incredible and amazing. Well, what is this good news that the angel brought? Well, 
This idea of good news points to the reality that Jesus' coming means that we can be saved. You see, the good news is that God loves us. He loves us so much that when he sees us in our sin and in our brokenness, he doesn't just leave us there. Instead, God sent his son Jesus to this earth to live a perfect life and to die the death that we deserve to die. You see, Jesus died on the cross taking our punishment for sin upon himself. He was buried and he came back to life, conquering sin and death and proving that he was who he said he was. And when we turn from our sin and believe in Jesus, God does a miracle. He takes all of our sin and he places it upon his son and he takes the perfect life of Christ and he places it on us. And now we're in right standing with God and we're able to to pursue his design for our lives. Do you see what an incredible miracle that is? That sinners can be reconciled to God? Oh, that's the good news this angel brought, that we could be rescued and saved. Now, the angel told the shepherds that his Savior had been born that very day in the city of David. Of course, that was Bethlehem, the town that King David grew up in. The angel said, this little baby that has been born, he's the Messiah, he's the Lord. Now, the word Messiah meant something in in Israel. They had longed for centuries for God to send a rescuer, one who would deliver, one who would set them free. And so what God does is he sends this little baby. The angels tell the shepherds, the Messiah that you've longed for, he is here. He's been born. The shepherds would know that they had found the Messiah when they went into Bethlehem and they found a couple who had a baby and they saw that baby wrapped in cloth tightly and lying in a, in a manger, a feed trough. And the angel said, you'll know that is Jesus the Lord. Well, when the angel The angel appeared suddenly. A host of angels appeared together with them, and they began to praise God and to rejoice in the reality that God had brought peace to earth. What kind of peace? Well, you see, a peace that means that that people like you and me who are sinful can be made right with a God who's holy. That's the kind of peace that, that God was bringing. That's the kind of peace that these angels were shouting about and rejoicing in. Now, when these angels disappeared, the shepherds headed straight to Bethlehem. They weren't worried about sheep. Oh, these men were looking for a savior. So the angels have made this announcement. The shepherds are on their way to Bethlehem. In verse 16, we see that the shepherds, they were in a hurry. It doesn't appear that they were making arrangements for who was going to keep watch over the sheep while they were gone. It doesn't seem that they took the time to stop by their places to pick up some, some uh, belongings for the journey. No, they went to, to Bethlehem and they got there in a hurry. The shepherds told Mary and Joseph uh, about what they had seen when, when, they, when they arrived there and about how the angel had told them what God was doing. And as the people heard these things, they were just blown away. They were amazed at at the work of God and how they were getting to see what people for centuries had longed for. And Mary, meanwhile, as she's caring for that little baby, nursing him and 
nurturing him and caring for him. She's pondering these things in her heart. As she's looking at those little tiny hands, those little feet, she's imagining all that God is doing and treasuring this baby boy and these special moments that that God had given her. Well, the shepherds left. They went back to their responsibilities to, to tending their sheep, and their hearts were full The scriptures tell us they they were absolutely blown away by all that God was doing. After all, they had witnessed the Messiah. Oh, they were glorifying God and they were giving him great praise. What do we learn from this passage? Make your life about Jesus. Make your life about Jesus. After all, that's what the angels did. They were announcing the birth of this boy. That's what the the people in this story did. The shepherds were getting to Jesus. Jesus' family, treasuring him, loving him. They were making their lives about Jesus. Now, if you serve in the U.S. military in many ways, your life is dictated by the U.S. government. A superior may well make decisions about what kind of job you do and what your responsibilities will be, perhaps about where you're going to live, and in some circumstances, decisions about what time you're going to get up in the morning and what time you're going to go to bed in the morning. When you serve in the military, you give up a part of your autonomy. You give up a part of your self-will and your responsibilities of protecting our, our country. Well, following Jesus is like that too. When you commit to follow Jesus, you give up your life. You put your life in his hands. And the way that you behave in all of life is transformed by the reality that you know him, that you belong to him, the way that you treat your spouse. Oh, that should be shaped and affected by the reality that you know him, that you love him, that you treasure him. The way that you talk to your kids, children, the way that you respect your parents, the way you behave at work. If you do what you should do when, only when the boss's eyes are on you, or if you do what you should do all the time, the way that you treat your employees, if, if you treat them with respect and, and take good care of them, all those kinds of things, the reality that we know Jesus, it should affect all of who we are, all of life. You see, giving up your life to follow Jesus and making all of life about him is like trading a dollar bill for a billion dollars. It's like trading something small, our own dreams and our own ambitions for something that's so incredible and amazing. We say to Jesus, I give up these things because I want to know you and follow you and love you because, Jesus, you are the greatest treasure of all. You're the greatest treasure of all. Knowing you more and more, that's what I want my life to be about. How do we make our lives about Jesus? Well, first, get to Jesus. When these shepherds hear about the birth of the Savior, they get on the road. They get moving and they get to Jesus. We need some urgency too in our lives. We need to get to Jesus in a hurry and quit worrying about so many things that steal our attention. You know, this Christmas season, many of us have spent far more time on the logistics of Christmas than we have reflecting on the beauty of the Savior. Something's wrong there, folks. 
We've let things steal our attention, rob our focus that aren't that important. No, we need to get to Jesus in a hurry. We need to let the importance of other things fade. A critical question to ask as we think about getting to Jesus is this. Do you have a personal relationship with Jesus? Has your heart been regenerated? Has your heart been transformed by the Lord Jesus? Has there ever been a time in your life when you've turned from your sin and you've put your life in his hands? Now, some of you may think you're right with God because you walked an aisle years ago and and prayed a prayer. Some of you may think you're right with God because you you were baptized or you've observed this sacrament or that sacrament or because you've been to church or because you're a pretty good person. You may think those things will make you in a right relationship with God, but none of those things do. The Bible says that there's one way to be in a right relationship with God, and it's through Jesus himself. It's by the blood that was shed on the cross. Friend, you will not stand before God one day and tell him how good you were. As good as you may think you are, as all of us have a tendency to think we're better than we are. You will not stand before him and give him your resume. No, he is so absolutely pure. Our only response when we see the Lord Jesus and we see the glory of God is to fall down. He's so holy, so pure, so righteous. How can you stand before God? Only if the blood of the Lord Jesus covers over your sin. So if you have never called out to Jesus and said to him, forgive me for my sins. I'm placing my life in your hands. Today, you need to get to Jesus. You say, well, one day I'll do that. You know, there'll be time. Right now, just let me live my life. I'll, I'll, I'll revisit this idea one of these days. Friend, you may not have that day. You realize that today I could drop dead? Friend, you could too. We're not promised tomorrow. The reality is the time to get to Jesus is today. It's now. The shepherds didn't say, well, hey, let's, let's hang out. We'll get there. Let's wait till tomorrow. You know, let's get a little good night's rest tonight. No, get to Jesus. Do you see? There needs to be an urgency in our lives. If you've never trusted Christ, friend, you're here today by God's hand. And he is saying to you, call out to me and find life. Come to me. Be saved. If you don't know Jesus, get there today. Get there in a hurry. Next, treasure Jesus and the wonder of knowing him. All of the people in this passage were enjoying the reality that they were witnessing the Messiah. They were enjoying the reality that Jesus was here, that he had come. They were glorifying and praising God, and they were amazed at at all that God was accomplishing. And think of Mary as she treasured that baby boy and how God was at, uh, at work. Oh, what precious times. You see, the people in this story, they're not taking Jesus for granted. They aren't complaining about the inconvenience of being woke up in the middle of the night. Couldn't these guys have realized we're sound asleep? Let us get our rest. Oh, I don't want to take a trip into Bethlehem. We're busy. 
Mary and Joseph aren't complaining. Couldn't we have had our son back in our town? Why did we have to be on a trip? Why do we have to be here with this stinking feed trough? Does that sound familiar? It's, that's a, the way we are, isn't it? We're, we're so often complaining and, and griping and, and bellyaching about things. But you know what these folks were doing? They weren't looking at all that. They were treasuring the Lord. There's something there for us, friends. We need to treasure the wonder of who he is, the, the, the joy of, of knowing him and, and loving him. We are so driven by things that don't ultimately matter. We're about careers and awards and education and popularity and, and money. We're about pleasure and leisure. What we fail to recognize is that in chasing all of these things, and some of them are, are very good things, we forsake the one who can fulfill the deepest longings of our heart, the one who can bring true and lasting joy, the one who can bring true and lasting peace. In one of his most famous quotes, C.S. Lewis captures the idea powerfully. He says, we are half-hearted creatures fooling about with drink and sex and ambition when infinite joy is offered us. Like an ignorant child who wants to go on making mud pies in the slum because he cannot imagine what is meant by the offer of a holiday at the sea. You see, Lewis gets at the idea of what we're talking about this morning. We're toying around with drink and with sex and with ambition like a foolish child who turns down a holiday cruise so he can keep making his mud pies in the slum. We recognize in that example how crazy it is, and yet almost daily we do the very same thing. We ignore the reality that we can draw close to Jesus and treasure him and enjoy him and love him. Meanwhile, we're busy doing all these things that are, that are less important. You see, the things of this earth, even the best things in the whole world, can't meet the deep needs of your heart. Only Jesus can do that. This tells us something about our priorities. Too many of us are making countless things more important than Jesus. Work is more important. Our families are more important. Our friends are more important. Our hobbies are more important. Our leisure is more important. Our sports are more important. Our grades are more important. Our boy, boyfriends or girlfriends are more important. Our clothes, even the shoes we wear, more important. We say we love Jesus, but we show little to no effort to knowing him more and treasuring him more. We're simply too busy with lesser things. But the characters in this story... They teach us about what matters, about what to prioritize. So treasure Jesus and the wonder of knowing him. Most of us know the story of a Christmas carol. In this classic tale, Ebenezer Scrooge is, is a hateful, cruel old man, mean to his employees. Uh, on Christmas Eve, his nephew had invited him to a family Christmas celebration and he is hateful to his nephew, says, no way, I'm not going to be a part of that. Later that evening, Scrooge is visited by a series of ghosts. First, his old business partner, Jacob Marley, and then the ghost of Christmas past. The ghost of Christmas past takes Ebenezer, and, and he shows him how he had loved money more than he loved his fiance. And the ghost of Christmas present came, and he showed Ebenezer 
how one of his employees that he had treated so cruelly was suffering with a very sick child. And he showed him how the family was celebrating the invitation that he had declined. And then the ghost of Christmas future came. And with the ghost of Christmas future, Ebenezer was shown his death. He was shown his very own death. Well, the next morning, Christmas morning, Ebenezer Scrooge woke up and he was a changed man. Completely changed. Yes, he had a different spirit. He went out and bought this big turkey for, for his employee, the Cratchits, who, who were struggling with the, with the sick child. He went to spend the day with his nephew, and he was filled with the joy of Christmas. The reality, friends, is that we too can know a lasting joy and peace This joy won't be found in the dreams of the ghosts of Christmas, but it will be found when we get to Jesus. And then we can know the joy of the Holy Ghost or the Holy Spirit. When we focus on knowing Jesus and treasuring him, he fills our hearts with a joy and a peace that only he can bring. Yes, knowing him is the greatest treasure of all. Make your life about Jesus. Brothers and sisters, make your life about Jesus. If you know Jesus, quit wasting your life on trivial things, things that that aren't important in light of eternity. Make knowing him your consuming passion. Then you can add the other things. Then they'll have the right, they'll be in the right place in your life. Ask the Lord, to give you a hunger to know him. Maybe you would say in your heart, you know, I've let all kinds of things become more important to me than him. Truly, I, man, I'm, I'm chasing money. Or man, I'm, I'm chasing popularity or pleasure, whatever, you fill in the blank. Jesus, I've let all these things become more important than you. This morning, God, I'm confessing that. And I'm asking you to give me a new hunger, a fresh love for you, Jesus. Help me to make my life about you. If you're here today and you know him, would you pray that kind of prayer? Asking him to give you a new and fresh hunger for him. One of the practical ways you can live this out is to spend good time reading the Bible every day. Spend good time in prayer every day. That's a practical way that you can draw close to Jesus and seek to know him more. If you're here today and you don't have a relationship with Jesus, I say to you what I've already said, get to Jesus. How do you do that? You say to him, I know that I'm a sinner. Please forgive me. I believe that you came to this earth, died on the cross, that you were buried and that you came back to life and I'm putting my life in your hands. And the Bible says that when you call out to God like that, he will save you. And you can know the joy and the peace that only Christ brings. Let's pray.